Are you ready? So, do you, do, yeah, do you remember how to do this? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's do this. Hi, I'm Beth. And I'm Stanny. And you're listening to Next Politics. Welcome to episode 15. Mm-hmm. Stanny, what are you drinking? I am drinking a Moscow Mule because you incepted me last time. Wait, I, I what? You, you incepted. <laughs> you never seen the movie Inception? Of you course I have, but it just sounded really weird. Mm. <laughs> when you I said made that. that up. Incepted. But um, yeah, and I was like, I got a fucking metal cup and I got the ingredients. See, so. You got the official one. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, you were drinking out of something else, right? No, it was one of those two. But... It was one of these? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had them just sitting there and I was like, you know what? I'll, I'll use it. What are you drinking? Well, I'm drinking a margarita, but I don't have any tequila. So I've got vodka in it it's instead. But hey, it's going to have to suffice. I don't think there's such a thing as a vodka margarita. It's a poor man's margarita. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I can just see Mexicans watching this just grimacing like, what did you say? Like, <laughs> yeah. And Russians are like, yes! yep yep Mm -hmm. so what are we talking about tonight we are talking about what's going on with texas revisited again we did did an episode way back episode two we did what's going on with texas and so this is a yeah this is a follow-up so yeah. for any of you listening right now, if you have not heard episode two, take 50 minutes out of your day, go check in on that. We dove Just into 50. a lot of the stuff that we're going to touch on today because, you know, in Texas, some things never change. Some things never change. Like their senator. <laughs> they just have a hard time voting this motherfucker out. And I don't uh-huh. know why. But hopefully, Cruz. Yeah, that guy, Cancun Cruz. I think that yeah. was the name of, of the episode, or or was that like a separate one? No, no, no. We made reference to Cancun Cruise, Flying Ted. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was, that was, that was a good one. Y'all know how much I dislike Ted Cruz. So any yeah. any chance to uh, throw him under the bus, I'm here for it. I so, see. So, Yeah. So we, we definitely talked about a lot of the stuff that happened in February. There was this major blackout situation, cold temperatures in Texas, which is really sort of unusual, but not really unusual. We'll get into that. Mm-hmm. Um, so episode two, we talked about what happened when Ted Cruz fled his state, blamed his children for it. <laughs> well, somewhere around <laughs> 700 people. Hero. Yeah. Somewhere around 700 people died in, in the, the cold because they froze to death. And at the time, Governor Abbott and some other so-called leaders in Texas blamed windmills for the problem. <laughs> so there was an energy shortage and a, a lot of, the, so the cold temperatures really kicked off this huge debate about how Texas does their energy to begin with. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the conservatives liked to demonize the windmills because they just don't really understand the whole renewable energy thing. They no, love their that's oil. not true. That's not true. They're especially the, oh, really? the, the, the yeah, especially the Republican um, Congress people, congressmen, senators, whatever. They they get all the briefs. They have all the information. The EPA brief, briefs them. 
the energy department briefs them, the whatever. Like, don't think they don't know. We've been over this many, many times. It's not that they don't know. They know that the people listening don't know. And so they pretend to not know. Like, if you you were to quiz one of them, they'd give you all the right answers. Wait, I didn't say they didn't know about it. I said they don't like it. They don't like it. Yeah, they don't like they. You're right. They do know. They know about renewable energy. They know that there's benefit to it. They know it's less. It's less costly. It's also better for the environment. It's yeah. something that we should be looking at long term because oil is not always going to be there. But yeah, they know. But all they don't this care. Shit. They, don't, they care. don't care. They don't care because there's a lot of money in not caring. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So you know what the people... weird thing is though? Isn't there like a lot of money? In caring, isn't there a lot of money to be made in renewable energy? Like if you had like massive wind farms lobbying them or, you know, wind farm companies or whatever renewable energy source companies lobbying them, just like the oil companies lobby them. Like, like why not get that money? Because right now oil lobbyists are paying more. And okay, that's really what it is. It boils down to the Benjamins. That's really, that's really what it is. So back then we were hearing at first, it was the windmills that were the problem. Now, those of us with any common sense knew that wasn't the case, but after an investigation, shocker, it was natural gas lines that were the problem. There was some freezing. So it was a combination of planned uh, blackouts, rolling blackouts that they've done. This is done for load balancing. So if you've ever seen a washing machine that's off balance, if everything's off to one side, you know that there's problems, it'll break down. Load balancing is something that happens not just with washing machines. It happens in production lines, in multiple different things that we use on on a daily basis. Oil is one of them. Oil and natural gas, they have to. (laughs) No, for real, they they call it load management. Well, yeah, same concept. Exactly. So load balancing is something that they have to do. This is all the way back to the 80s or 90s. Texas was doing this load balancing. So they would do planned blackouts for energy sources that were not needed at the time. So mm-hmm. the combination of the planned rollouts plus the high demand for energy during the cold temperatures led to blackouts. And th- this this was, this was such chaos because it was something that was predictable. And I'm gonna get into that a little bit later. It was very predictable. And yeah. um, it, it really boiled down to a lack of proper weatherization because mm-hmm. for some reason people in Texas think it never gets cold <laughs> and shocker. They also believe in not having regulation. Texas does not believe that the government should be regulating energy or <laughs> lots of other things. So because it was not properly weatherized, things froze and blackouts happened and people froze to death. That's, that's how not, we got not, to where not, we are. Not only do they not like re- re- uh, regulation, they like privatization. And it's yes. just like they push for everything to be private and like, and, you know, private sector money making. And it's like, you know, just so you know, the private sector don't really care about you. They care about profits. This and I don't understand so how to explain this any better to Texas people who keep voting for the people who line their pockets with lobby money from people who don't want regulations. It's just well, weird to me. It's like it's like you have fat friends and family and cousins and whatever that just died in two inches of snow. The rest yes. of the United States is like two inches of snow. We can't even sled in that. And we, can, <laughs> we, can't, we can't do nothing. And y'all dying, but you don't want to do anything about it. 
well, yeah, and not not to make light of the fact that people are dying, but it really is when you think about it, it's tragic that they died mm -hmm. with two inches of snow. It's insane to me. But yeah. th so the reality is that Texas politicians are really, really good at. I'm going to use a, a term from Ricky Ricardo and I Love Lucy. They're really good at making people look at things through a sweater. That's his way of saying pulling the wool over your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. Oh, man. Ricky, yeah. Is it Desi Arnaz? That was his real yes. name, right? Yes, Desi oh, Arnaz. Man. He was the greatest. Those, those were good times. <laughs> yes. So they're, they're really good at convincing a lot of people that deregulation is optimal. So, so much so mm -hmm. that when hundreds of people die, that they think that that's just the price of admission of owning the libs. Yeah. So, oh, um, oh for, that's for priority. The, yes. Own the libs own, owning, over Owning everything. the libs is priority. Exactly. So I guess life is an opportunity cost to them. It's supposed to be about liberty from government oversight, but how free mm -hmm. are you? If you're not alive anymore, that's my question. It, it, especially when question. when you're dead from stubbornness, this is really just stubbornness. So people are dying. Politicians yeah. would rather spin the story than to admit that they're not wanting to be accountable for the safety right. of people. Regulation is about safety, and so, yes, regulation can become extreme. Overregulation is a problem, but the purpose of regulation is safety. Yeah. So so this investigation that's like proving everything that we thought that it wasn't windmills that it was because you guys didn't want to winterize because you didn't want to spend money because whatever who did this investigation who who was who was in charge of it because I, from my There's... research there were multiple investigations but I'm, I'm asking about the one you were referencing i i, I cannot if i tell if i answer that it's going to reveal mm. a secret a surprise i can't answer no, that there's question. a surprise Okay. All right. Don't spoil the surprise. I guess I'll be surprised too. I don't know. All right. Yeah. So, so there the were multiple time, investigations. Yeah. The issue this time though is, I mean, we're no longer in winter. So the issue this time is not winterization and people dying from freezing. It is the complete opposite. It yes. Is, it is heat. And That's, Texas yes. gets hella hot. That's why I mentioned it was weatherization instead of winterization, because it's oh, all okay. weather. Yes, the regulation yeah. in other states or let's say places like Sweden, Greenland, where they have the same type of, set of setup. They have windmills. Yeah. They don't freeze in the winter. They don't stop mm. working in the summers because they're weatherized. <laughs> but so, the thing with so deregulation is, is Texas believes that they're just on an island. It's kind of funny but they just believe they're by themselves. And if you don't have regulators to come in to give you a second pair of eyes to be like, mm -hmm. hey, did you think about what happens when it gets to be 110 degrees? Cause it's gonna happen. No, Texas is just like, fuck that. We don't need you here. Get away from me, government people, blah, blah, blah. That's so, how Texas people sound? I'm no, that's how the Texas politicians <laughs> sound, not the people, the politicians. Okay, okay. all right. So what, so what is happening in Texas this time now that it's not a snow issue? What, what's going on? With... The, the funny thing is um, politicians, conservative politicians, mm -hmm. irony alert, they're yeah. asking people to conserve. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's really ironic. Nice. Conservatives, oh they God. don't really conserve on a regular basis. So they're having, they're having people uh, 
I guess, turn their thermostats up to 78 degrees because there's a mm -hmm. high demand for people want to crank up their air conditioning. It's very hot in Texas right now. But because of the increased demand, they're, they don't, they're not load balancing properly. So <laughs> there's an increased demand, which also means an increase in price. Things are chaotic. Yeah. But because they were not properly weatherized and because they are not prepared for an increase in demand on the regular, uh, there are shortages they happening are not. right now. They are not. And I have some numbers to share with you regarding how ill-prepared um, they are in regards to any crisis, weather-related, whether it's winter or intense heat, you know, obviously flooding probably wouldn't be an issue in Texas, but any form of weather crisis, they're just ill-prepared and, and it's completely on purpose. Like, it's not like, yes. it's not like, it's not like, oh, we think it can hold up. Um, and then it doesn't, and, it, and people are like, oh my God, this is terrible. No, no, no. They know well, I, like they knew last year that if temperatures got to X point, we're fucked. But, yes. but unbeknownst to a lot of people, there's a lot of money to be made in a crisis. Yes. A lot of, a lot of money to be made in a crisis. Matter of fact, let me throw out one of the numbers here. Back when they um they had the the winter freeze freeze the two inches death back in in Texas and it was terrible and people were dying, energy companies made eleven billion dollars profit in Texas while people were dying while Ted Cruz was on his plane going to Cancun with his kids while Bun B was pleading for people to be empathetic towards Texans because they don't have jackets etc cetera, etc cetera, and people were dying. $11 billion in profit was made from that. And you, you look at this and you ask yourself, how is it that they have a shortage of something and systems were down and not working, but these companies are making profit? Like the regular layman who hasn't researched this or hasn't looked into this or hasn't you know cared would, like if I pose that question, it would boggle someone who would be like, so how can my company make a profit if I'm not selling the product because the product is down. Here's how Texas fucking work. When there's a crisis and the product is down, the product electricity is down, it creates a scarcity. And if you know anything about supply and demand, I know, I know, when, I know. <laughs> when there's a scarcity, the price scarcity. of shit goes up. Scarcity so creates people, value. Yeah, so people got bills, electric bills for like twenty nine thousand oh, dollars for yeah. like for like the month. Yeah. So and they had to pay it because they use the electricity. The, the the meter outside said you use this much or this many gigawatts or a fraction of a gigawatt or whatever or watts yeah. um, for X amount of time. So you have to pay this fee, and yeah. just it, it's unfortunate for you that in this week when shit was going on. The fee went from, I don't know, $10 per watt or whatever to $2,700 per watt. Yeah. Like, what? Yes. yes. Yeah. So they made, um, there's a number of companies, there's a list I found online of the various companies whose um, profits went up. And you have about 26 million customers that are on this grid. So if you crunch the numbers, if everything gets, if the, if your phone bill was, not phone bill, sorry, your electricity bill was like 
I don't know, $120. And then everything went up by 1,200%. That's how all these companies made money because they weren't supplying the crisis or fixing the crisis. They were just increasing the price. Like, well, you can't get enough electricity, but what we do have, we can sell you for higher. That sounds so ridiculous to me in a first world country, in the richest country, in the best country, in USA. Like that sounds absolutely ridiculous on every level. Like I can't find a level or, 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 or an inch in that whole thing there it's just like well that sounds like it makes sense that's so just that's, evil that's why politicians have to spin this because they don't want to admit that they're actually that these energy companies are making money off of this yeah. there are there are multiple different sources of energy we've got oil we've got natural gas we've got windmills they're trying mm-hmm. to demonize the windmills because it's politically expedient for them because but, that's and, part of, and the windmill is the least of the power production. I think it's like 11% or some shit like I that. I think it's somewhere around 15, it, 17% or something like that. Right. So it's like, let's demonize the one that's like the least, because the, they, the less provider. Because they know, they know that their constituents don't understand the nuances of this stuff because they don't take the time to research. Yeah. But these politicians know better. They know that when this crisis happened in February, this was not the first time it happened. They also know that their constituents on the whole were just worried about getting their lights turned on. They were just worried about getting their heat turned on. So yeah. fast forward to now when the, when the temperatures are rising like they do every single year in Texas, and mm-hmm. they know that their constituents, again, are just concerned about getting their energy source. They're not concerned about asking the question of why is this happening again? Why are my why are these energy companies able to exploit this? Why am I paying more for energy in the summertime? And I'm not talking about just paying more because you're using more. Paying yeah. more by using the same amount, that's the problem. So yeah, they do know better, but the constituents are just worried about keeping their lights on. They're not gonna ask these questions, but that's our job. All right. And we'll we'll ask them. So currently the issue in Texas is that ERCOT which is um, the the overall power handling uh, mm-hmm. service in Texas, is telling people to set their thermostat to 78 or 82 degrees higher. Actually, let me quote it. The, the energy company, ERCOT, wrote, set your thermostat to 78 or 82 degrees or higher. Every degree of cooling increases your energy use by 68%, the company wrote, end of quote. Six and I'm like, six to eight, bro. I told you, I got some weird numbers. I, I was like, wait, every degree, like between 72 and 73, that's 8% of your bill. Like you just increased, like you, if you went from, set, all right, so let's, okay, so they're cooling. So they went from 72 to 71. Just by doing that, you've increased your fucking bill by six to eight, by 8%. That's insane to me. That's and they're insane. having heat waves. And what? to your earlier to your earlier point, the energy doesn't really cost eight percent more. It's it just doesn't. The, the price is eight percent more. Right. There's a right. difference between the actual cost of it, what it should cost, yeah, and what it, you know what it costs to actually get it off the production line and get it to the sources versus what what it's actually worth.
so I want to I want to quote something else to you again because there's this, there's so many quotables in this. Like we literally could make this podcast just like a collection of memes. <laughs> because because it's hilarious. It's hilarious because certain prominent and popular people in Texas don't know when or how to just shut the fuck up when other things are happening. And so it always comes back to bite them in the ass. Namely, the one the one that just gets bitten often is your is your favorite your boyfriend. My boyfriend Ted Cruz. <laughs> Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz. So I want to say when was it? It was last September. He sent out tweets when was it September? Yes, I think they were having some kind of heat wave or forest fire situation in California. In California, um, yeah. Right, and he called the California government dysfunctional, and I quote. For not allowing residents to turn on or run their AC during a heat wave. Which is exactly what Texas is doing right now. Can you see (laughs) the utter disdain on my face? (laughs) This is so good. It's so, like, I'm sorry that this is funny because the people of Texas are suffering. Right? (laughs) But this asshole. All right, so. He continued, was this last was this last September? Right, he continued. Let me read the tweet for you. It says, some angry lefty actor thinks California is the only place that has summer. It's hot everywhere. Try Texas every summertime. But the rest of the country doesn't have such a dysfunctional state government that you can't turn on the lights or even turn on your AC. That's a policy failure of the Dems. That was last September. Fast I forward. S- Hold on a second. I just have to say. I sense a little projection happening there, Mr. Cruz. I know. I know. Fast forward. It's not even been a year. It's not yet, We're not in September. It's not even been a year. And so everyone found the tweets and started sending them back to him like, is this you, cuz? You, is this you, <laughs> is idiot? This you, like, you, yeah, you said this. So, and his only response, his only response, which for the first time in my life, I'm going to give him credit. First time in my life, I'm going to give Ted Cruz credit. His response was, are you ready for this? Yeah. I have no defense. <laughs> I know, right? That wow. Blew my mind. I was like, you're not going to spin? Any- you're not going to say anything? He's just like, I fucked up. I, let me, let me point I think he's out, learning because he keeps not- fucking up. No, see, I'm not, I'm not going to give him full credit. I give him partial credit. It takes, it takes a big person, and he is big, by the way. It takes a big person to say. His head is big. His body's big, but it it takes a big person to say, I have no defense, but it takes an even bigger person to say, I was wrong. I was wrong. He didn't say he was wrong. And a much bigger person to fix the fucking problem. He's the one who has the ability to fix the problem. Yes. But I just thought the only reason I just have to, I have to, I have to say the only reason I mentioned his weight, because I'm not into fat shaming. The only reason I mentioned his weight is because he's literally becoming bigger off of the backs of the people who voted him into office. I mean, he's just a fat cat, just bleeding money and, and everything off of his constituents. And the man just looks slovenly. So I I had to point out the fact that he's, you know, smarmy. Yes. That's the word. I just wanted to, I wanted our viewers to know that I'm not fat shaming him. I'm just pointing out that he doesn't take care of himself. So, all right. So, so besides, besides that, besides that irony, there's a whole lot of other irony that is being displayed by um, 
the the right or conservatives. And it's so funny because I know they don't understand in general. And I'm not well, not all of them, but a lot of them don't understand like literary prose and positions. So like explaining irony to them, they just be like, whatever, who cares? Uh-huh. I don't, I don't uh-huh. know what that means. So they, um, I mean, we we know for a fact that they don't get sarcasm, they don't get satire, right? They literally don't get memes. <laughs> <laughs> and memes but, are just sometimes the only thing that makes me smile in a day. Yeah, but they also apparently don't get irony because right. it's weird that. Um, you pointed out that the conservatives are asking people to conserve. Right. Which tells you that it's not within their nature to conserve. They're actually, I've said this for years amongst my friends, that they're preservatives. They're not conserving. They're not conserving anything. They're preserving the 1950s. They're preservatives, not conservatives. So I, behind closed doors, I will call them preservatives. All right. So, um, (laughs) I'm sorry. People of Texas, please understand that I'm not laughing at you, nor am I laughing with you because you're not laughing. It's just sometimes you got to laugh so you don't cry. Right. And I think that's where I'm at right now with Texas because it's just like, bro, y'all keep doing this to yourselves. And it keeps happening just back to back to back, just over and over, disaster after disaster. Whether it's, I mean, we literally, we just started hurricane season. Mm -hmm. And we know what happens to Texas in hurricane season. Mm -hmm. So it's like we had the cold. Now we're dealing with heat, and it's like we, we still got a ways to go before yes. it gets cold again. And every time there's a hurricane in Florida, yeah. Texas, any of those southern border states um, or along the coast, I, I hear from my friends that get very upset about how there's mm-hmm. price gouging. Anytime there's a hurricane, generators cost more, food costs more, water costs more. Yeah, They say this every time, yet this happens in Texas all the time with their energy. Every time it's cold, every time it's hot, things cost every more, but they, yeah. but they still keep voting the same people into office that cause this problem to happen. So I just have to ask at some point, because you're right, I, we're not trying to poke fun at actual people. Right. right we're poking right. fun at the situation. But we do have to ask the people, why do you keep voting for the same people who are causing this problem and not Why don't you tie problem? people to the back of pickup trucks and head down? I'm joking. Don't, don't do that. That does not happen. No, no. Oh, it no. happens. Not here. It happens. Not, it not happened in America. To a, no, it happened right. to a mayor in Texas, in, in Mexico. Yes. Apparently, they yeah, they sent him to, to the government to do whatever. And he went there and started chumming up with the lobbyists and whatever. And when he came home, they were just like, hey, bro, that ain't what we sent you to do. Hog time. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Something. We can take, we, we can take a page. But. No. On a, no. On a... <laughs> Something less violent, but but achieves the outcome of making politicians accountable. That's what we Oh, need. man. Yeah. I think voting so, out of office is probably the only tool we have in our toolbox right now. That doesn't seem consequential enough, though. That just seems like, hey, it go doesn't. away. It doesn't, but at least we're not paying these like, people to be assholes anymore. Hit them back, you know? Hit them back. Mm-hmm. But, so, in terms of Texas and this heat right now, um... And just weatherization and and being prepared for a crisis. Let me throw out another number for you. Like I said, I got some numbers for you to, to this time. Okay. Um, it said here that Texas operates on the grid on a thin margin of reserve capacity, about 16%. That means 
So let's say, let me just see if I can make this easy for everybody listening. Let's say the running capacity of the state of Texas is 100 gigawatts. It's not, but let's just use 100 because it's a big round number. They have a reserve of 16% of that. So 16 out of the 116, they have sitting in the reserve that says, if something happens, we got this 16 to cover us, to push out more electricity, to send to people, to whatever, to sort the problem out if anything should happen. The problem is that's apparently 50% of the reserves of almost every other individual state. Every other state runs somewhere between 30 and 35% um, of reserve capacity so that if, you know, if anything happens, we can just plug this in. It's like, it's like if the light goes out at your house, you have flashlights. Everybody else has six flashlights. Texas has one. Right. That's a good way to put it. The best way I can. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and here's the thing, as I said before, it's not like an accidental thing. It's not, it's not like when the crisis happens, it's like, oh, just go get the flashlight. Go, no. Oh, go get the flashlights, plural. And then somebody comes back and go, oh shit, I only found one. Yeah. No, no, no. That's not the case in Texas. The case in Texas is we only bought one. Yes. There is only one. Yep. And when we designed that, when we went to buy them, when we went out to buy flashlights, we made sure we only bought one. And it goes back to what I was saying before about the money that these people make off the crisis, because Bob Hall, a Republican Texas state senator, said last week that the grid's operating problems have not been fixed. And he said, if I were a business right now, I'm quoting, if I were a business right now, as desirable as Texas is, if I'm dependent on a steady supply of electricity, I'd be very concerned about coming to Texas right now. That's what he said. And the re and then he followed up with, it's not even hot yet. It's not because we're not even in August. It's, it's, it's not even hot yes, yet. Yes, the peak hot season for them is late July, early August. So we're almost there. Yeah. So the, the issue with Texas is that they 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 run on what is called jackpot incentives and the problem with that system is that the power producers don't know how many jackpots will come but it's literally it's like playing the lottery so it's like what they do with futures with salt on the road you don't know how much snow is going to fall this winter but you don't want to buy too much because then you're just going to be sitting on salt and not mm -hmm. using it if, if not enough snow but if too much snow falls and you didn't buy enough salt then we're screwed so what people do with salt futures is they try to buy a little bit less than they think will fall. But you can't do that with electricity. It's, it's, not, it's not salting roads. Because right. salting roads, you can just stay home if, it, if you can't get out. But exactly. no electricity, now you're going to die. Yes. So the issue, they're saying the problem with the system is that the power producers don't know how many jackpots will come. In the meantime, there's not much incentive for these additional generators to prepare for extreme weather. The issue is that ERCOT is now putting the customers on edge when it's when the, 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 the outages have spiked compared to like last year and the year before. And now they're telling people, you know, don't make your house too cold, you know, turn it up to 82. Like who the hell wants to sit in 82? 78? I know. That's really, really, really That's hot. That's hot as fuck. Very uncomfortable. What is it in your house? Ours is always set at 70. 
Mine is at 71. And they're telling people, and I'm li- I live in Ohio. It does not get as hot as Texas. And they're mm-hmm. telling people in Tejas to set it to 82. Yes. Man, yes. they, I, I, see, it's they're insane. putting out tweets. They're not telling this to people's face. If somebody was out there telling this to people's face, somebody in Texas would have punched somebody a long time ago. 82 in my house? That's, <laughs> that's it's so insane crazy. To me. Now, why is it that these these politicians in Texas or even some of the constituents are very mm-hmm. anti-regulation? But they're really not. They're just anti-regulation when it comes to energy. But look at what happens when they're anti-regulation. Because they're all about regulating my body. I can't go to Texas and get an abortion right now because they think that I'm not, I shouldn't be able to do that. I also can't go to Texas. I can't move there and vote easily because, you know, they're all about regulation when it comes to voting rights in my body. Yeah. But when it comes to energy, but look at what's happening when they don't regulate properly. People aren't yeah. allowed to use the commodity that they're paying for because they're still paying for energy that they can't yeah. use to their liking. I don't understand this, this disconnect in, in their brains that they're, they're advocating for deregulation in energy, but not making the connection that deregulation is what allows them to not have air conditioning in the dead of summer. In I don't get it. In the dead of summer. So here's the thing. The deregulation helps these private companies and i know we talked about this before in a previous podcast in the probably what the fuck is going on in texas podcast but if you don't have to spend money weatherizing or winterizing or summerizing or whatever um your equipment then that's money that you save and that goes into your pockets as a ceo or a shareholder or whatever the issue is so let, let me throw out another number like i got so many numbers tonight so when the bullshit happened in February and people were dying in Texas or whatever, private energy companies as a collective, and I think there's probably like two or three major big ones in Texas, made a profit in that time, not like for the year or whatever, for the time that the winter shit was happening, made $11 billion. You already mentioned that. You mentioned that earlier in the episode. Yeah. But what I didn't mention is that one of the people who owns one of these companies immediately after those profits were, 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 were calculated, were gained, were put in bank accounts, wrote a check for the governor of Texas, governor Abbott for $1 million. Now I would like for the people of Texas to listen. If, if there are any listeners in Texas, please listen to what I just said. After the crisis, which created a scarcity And the crisis happened because these companies were deregulated and treated you like shit and didn't have any respect for you or the money that you were paying them for utilities. And your family members started to die. And Ted Cruz ran off to to Cancun. When all of that happened, they made $11 billion. And a person who profited monetarily from this wrote the governor a check for a million dollars. This is not something I'm making up. Like, I can actually post the articles right here, or you can Google it. His name is Kelsey Warren. Kelsey Warren wrote a check on, I want to say, actually, it's June 3rd, recently. How, wait, how was he able to donate that much with campaign finance laws? Oh, the way that they then are? I, I'll, I'll read it to you. 
So it says here on June, in June, Warren cut a check to Abbott's campaign for $1 million, according to the governor's latest campa campaign finance filings, which covers January through June. That's four times more than the quarter million checks that the billionaire has given to Abbott in prior years and the most he's ever given to a state politician in Texas. I don't know if state politics is regulated in terms of um, finance is regulated the way federal is. You know, Texas is filled with whatever kind of fucking loopholes. And this is a guess I'm making. It's not something that I know. So please don't hold mm -hmm. me to it. But I'm guessing that the same rules that govern campaign finance federally is not what governs Texas campaign finance. Because, because he literally just gave four times what he usually gave after people died. The, so people, is, are, this is so, it's disgusting. It is disgusting. It's disgusting as fuck. The House Climate, Environment, and Energy Caucus. And it's headed up by Democrats, which is weird, but okay. Um, one of the members from that caucus, uh, Representative Erin Zweiner, she chairs the, the caucus. She said, when Governor Abbott said that we did everything we needed to do to fix the grid, what he meant was we did everything we needed to do that doesn't interfere with my cronies' profit margins. And not only did it not interfere, it increased their profits, and then he got like a kickback. Like literally, a yeah. million dollars that, is a kickback. Yeah, that is a kickback. Because so his, the, we know the that million they didn't dollar contribution is one of four of million so so it's only one warren's million dollar contribution was one of four individual million dollar contribution that he received from donors in june so and his campaign hauled in his campaign hauled in 20 million dollars in that month and four million out of that came directly from the ceos of energy companies in texas so if you're listening to this and you're not pissed off about this, then nothing pisses you off. Right. You're just the coolest then... fucking cat this side mm -hmm. of the cosmos. But so speaking of investigations, I do want to read an executive summary. This mm. is from the FERC, which is a Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, and the NAERC, which is the North American Electric Reliability Corporation. Before I begin. Ladies and gentlemen, please fasten your seatbelts. Okay. Be sure to keep all hands and feet inside the vehicle at all times and enjoy your ride. Okay. We're at Cedar Point. Let's do this. Okay, so I'm going to read a couple excerpts from this. And I am just skimming. But the first time that ERCOT resorted to system-wide rolling blackouts to prevent more widespread customer outages was after 1989, that was the worst winter storm that they could remember on record. Mm. The Arctic cold front that descended on the Southwest during the first week of February was unusually severe in terms of temperature, wind, and duration of the event. So rolling blackouts affected the largest number of customers, 3.2 million. A total of 193 ERCOT generating units failed or were derated representing a cumulative loss of 29,729 megawatts. So combining the forced outages, as I mentioned earlier, with scheduled mm -hmm. outages, approximately a third 
of the total ERCOT fleet was unavailable at the lowest point of the winter event. And so the extensive generator failures overwhelmed ERCOT's reserves, which eventually dropped below the level of safe operation. And that goes back to your prior point about the reserves that they have. Yeah. So very high prices are expected as a response to scarcity conditions, but this is supposed to be built into ERCOT's energy only market. Unfortunately, it's higher than expected. Nearly half of its black start units were either on scheduled outage at the time of the event or failed during the event itself, jeopardizing the utilities' ability to promptly restore the system and an ERCOT-wide blackout occurred. They say ERCOT-wide as opposed to some of the other regions that are around Texas. Yeah. Majority of problems experienced by the many generators that tripped, suffered derates, or failed to start during the event were attributable either directly or indirectly to the cold weather itself. Weather-related causes, including frozen sensing lines, frozen equipment, frozen water lines, frozen valves, blade icing, low temperature cutoff limits, and the like. The production losses stemmed principally from three things, freeze-offs, icy roads, and rolling electric blackouts. Freeze-offs occurred when the small amount of water produced alongside the natural gas crystallized or froze. So it wasn't the it wasn't the wind turbines. It wasn't that. It was natural yeah. gas. Freeze-offs routinely recur in every cold weather, or I'm sorry, in very cold weather. But this happens every winter. Mm-hmm. Icy roads prevented maintenance personnel and the equipment from reaching the wells and hauling off produced water, which if left in the holding tanks at the wellhead causes the wells to shut down automatically, which also caused the blackouts. Wow. For winterization specifically, generators and natural gas producers suffered severe losses of capacity despite having received accurate forecasts of the storm. Entities in both categories report having winterization procedures in place. However, the poor performance of many of these generating units and wells suggest that these procedures were either inadequate or were not adequately followed. While extreme cold weather events are obviously not as common in the Southwest as elsewhere, they do occur there every few years. And when they do, the cost in terms of dollars and human hardship is considerable. In many cases, the needed fixes were not, would not be unduly expensive. They just need to invest it. Any resolution of the many issues arising from electric and natural gas interdependency must be informed by an examination of more than one cold weather event in one part of the country. Basically, calling out Texas and saying, you guys are not an island um, (laughs) all upon yourselves. You actually have to take part in the society and listen to what what the other states do. For that reason, for that reason, the report, this report, does not offer specific recommendations in this area, but urges regulatory and industry bodies to explore solutions to the many interdependency problems which are likely to remain of concern in the future. In the future. I was now, just about to say indefinitely. The report that I and just I, read I to knew, you. I knew you were going to say that. What? I, I When you were saying in the future, I was just about to say indefinitely because that's the way I see it going. It's not going to be addressed. This report that I just read to you was from 2011. This was the last time there was a major outage in Texas because of a winter storm. 
Wait, so you mean to tell me we can just fucking duplicate that same report for this year and just just run it? You betcha. Oh, that was my surprise, God. was that I, I pulled the report. It just so happened this report was from 10 fucking years ago. And they Bro. specifically said, this is going to happen again. And here we are. It's happened twice. It's happening twice in one year. Dude, 10 years later. They, what's the saying? The people who forget their history are doomed to repeat it. Doomed to repeat it. it. And, yeah. and, and Texas, uh, Texas is doomed to just enjoy repeating it. Like, I don't know yes. what the fuck. That's so, crazy. The, so our listeners in Texas, you guys have the ability to change this. This report yeah. does not have to be duplicated this year. It does not have to be duplicated 10 years from now. Get better mm. fucking politicians in Texas, people that will get these energy companies under control because it's not acceptable. So here's what, here's what I found when I was looking up similar information to you. It says that um, since February, though, since that whole winter storm problem and now that they're facing a heat problem, the state passed some reforms to address the problem. It's just that it's not even Band-Aids. Okay, so the best analogy that I could give you, Beth, is that you got a cut right here on your arm. That's the problem that we're having with Texas, the non-winterization, the non-regulation, whatever. And it creates this cut. Now, Grant, please don't think that I'm minimizing people's death to a cut on your arm. But let's right. say it's a cut on your arm. And Texas apparently ran some reforms, and they got some Band-Aid, and they put it over here mm-hmm. where there's <laughs> not a cut. And I don't know. Like, when I was reading it, like, I, was, I, was re- I had to read it, like, two or three times because I'm thinking to myself, Am I reading wrong? Am I dyslexic? I don't, I don't understand. Why are you not fixing the problem, problem. but addressing mm-hmm. other things that aren't even an issue? Here's the yeah. biggest issue. So they said they passed some reforms in February. However, ERCOT still relies on lopsided incentives triggered, please listen carefully, triggered only during a crisis to get the generators to produce more electricity. What? Which means... It's because they're trying to maximize on profits. It is only when there's a crisis that th- that the generators are triggered. Like let's let's make more energy to save these people. In all the other states, they just maintain a thirty to thirty five percent every single time, every single day. Somebody goes out and checks like how much how much reserves do we, how much reserves do we have? Okay, we're good, and then they go back. Texas is just like on the barest minimum. But if there's a crisis, we'll turn them on real quick and. Well- <laughs> Define crisis. I mean, how do they de- de- how do they define that? I, I actually I I don't know. But what it says here is that you know obviously the sixteen percent is more is less than half of what other people, um, other uh, states hold mm-hmm. in their reserves. But this is what happens. So let me see if I can try to explain the best I can. I, actually, I'll just read it to you. So ERCOT says in their briefing that an extreme weather scenario with a peak demand, uh, low output from solar and wind farms and a spike in generator outages would leave the grid with a capacity shortfall of about 15,000 megawatts. Now that's a shortfall because they need about 11 to run. When they, when they have a crisis and they're depending on like outside sources to generate power to help, there's a, a research note from the McCullough Research Institute says that power suppliers in Texas can receive, listen to these numbers, up to $9,000 per megawatt during a time of crisis. But those incentives can produce perverse outcomes. For example, 
a South Texas nuclear power plant lost one of its two reactors after a five-foot section. Five-foot section. That's 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 as much. tall as me. I'm five feet a tall. A five-foot section in 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 an uninsulated pipe seized up in February. The loss contributed to a shortage in power, but in an ironic twist, the nuclear plant earned nine million dollars per hour because of the scarcity pricing skyrocketing now here's the thing if the emergency had been averted the plant would only have been paid the normal rate of about sixty thousand dollars an hour what this means is that it may not be optimal to maintain a weatherized system and weatherized equipment because if a minor problem that is five feet in length you literally go out there, cut off five pieces of pipes, and I guess replace it. If a minor problem like that can generate, um, you know, $9 million, be honest with yourselves, viewers and listeners. Would you fucking fix it? If you fix it, you get 60000 If you don't fix it, you get $9 million. Right. That's like a... That, that, that's a... That's a... That's, that's an ethical crisis. That's to, really to it, what it is. To put it in the simplest of terms, there is no incentive to fix the problems. There's None. only an incentive to make the problems happen and to, and to perpetuate them. Exactly. Exactly. So the, the person from the Institute who wrote up the report says, there's nothing we can really do about it as long as the system stays in place where the scarcity causes the profits in pricing to skyrocket. Not like... Not not the output to skyrocket, not the power generation to skyrocket, not the, the reserves to be used, but just the pricing skyrocketing. He says, we're playing with the hand we're dealt and it's going to be a tight summer, no doubt. That was my man's quote. He said so, it's going to be a tight, he's going to be a tight summer. It's going to be tight. <laughs> it's, a, it's a basic economic principle that scarcity creates value. So this is where... The, the battle between privatization and, and government regulation is always going to, it's going to come down to what are your ethics and what are your morals? Are you talking yeah. about allowing people to be able to use energy at any point? Then privatization is not the way to go because the incentive is them for, for them to make profit and they will make profit by doing this kind of stuff that you're just talking about. They yeah. will, they will, they are only incentivized financially to have a crisis. So government regulation is where is the only thing that protects people because the government would say, I don't care what the profit is. I don't care what what creates the value. We're talking yeah. about humanity and we protect the humans. So you put a price cap on it in the time of crisis to say, sure, this, this person is using more energy during the winter storm, but don't mm. charge them $27,000 per unit. The cap is at $200 or something like that. Right there. That, see, when you're when you're capping profits, though, you run into those c words and s words, socialism and communism, because see? the free market should, should should dictate that if if you if you're willing to pay for it, then I'm willing to sell it to you. Oh, but here's the thing. This is where I take issue. Yes, I'm rolling my eyes too. But here's what people don't understand about that. If you say if the person's willing to pay for it, then they're they're going to yeah. pay for it. But that's talking about at the point of sale. 
I have the choice as a consumer to decide if I'm going to pay for that. No, these people are using the energy and getting billed later for it. They didn't have a free will to, if you, nobody approached them and said, if you keep using your, your electricity, you're going to get charged $27,000. I guarantee you that person would say, fuck you, turn off my energy turn right it now. Off. Turn, fucking turn it off. They don't get the choice. <laughs> the market's not in play here because the consumer yeah. is not engaging in directly in the market. The market is between the energy company and the politicians and, and the that's politicians. it. Yes. It's not, the consumer's not engaged in that market. It's like taking so your this... car to, it's like taking your car to get your tires changed and they say, okay, we'll change them for you. And then after they change your tires, they say, oh, by the way, we decided to change your air filter. We uh, put all, all new <laughs> tires on there and you have to pay us for it. That's, that's the equivalent of what's happening in the energy yeah. market in Texas. You're only not. only in that analogy, you can be like, fuck you and drive off your car with your new air filter. You can't do that with electricity. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So it's we're talking about you. socialism and communism. Okay, most mm -hmm. people who throw around those terms don't know what they mean. I've studied comparative economic systems. I know what socialism is. And it's not as scary as people like to make it sound. Plus, we're talking about socialism as an economic system. And also yeah. socialism as a political system. There's a difference between the yeah. two things. Socialism as an economic system is not a boogeyman. There, there are some benefits to it in times like this. When you have in an energy crisis, crisis, yes. That's when the government yeah. says, we're protecting you. We're putting a price cap on this. And so that's exactly no what, what the government did in, in, in February. Like the federal yes. government sent help to Texas. Yes. But I don't, I don't know. You know what the funny thing is, though? It's, this is not, I don't think this is an American phenomenon <laughs> of profiting off crisis and death. No. I think it's like just an oligarchic system to profit off crisis and death. And I can give you a list of various other um, crises and disasters where people who are already rich all right, for example, the fucking pandemic. Jeff Bezos went from sixty-four billion to two hundred and twenty billion in a, in one year in a pandemic, and it's like, hey, bro. And you know what? The somebody I don't remember who it was. There was a podcast I was listening to, and somebody was saying that if they had privatized the vaccines and like you know made it a profit thing that we would literally have Amazon Prime vans driving up to our house yeah. with vaccines. Like, hey, guys, come get this. Totally. Because that, that's how they work. When Katrina happened and like all of New Orleans was flooded out and shit and a lot of those houses were condemned, people who had money, developers, went in and bought up all of these houses for cheap and yes. then, you know, flipped them and, whatever, and made a fucking profit. When the disaster happened, uh, the hurricane happened in Puerto Rico, not, mm -hmm. not this recent one, the one before, years right. before. Developers went down there and were just like, listen, we're going to loan you money to help build back and whatever, whatever. But we're buying all of this property, all of this land, all of these golf courses, all of these hotels or whatever for cheap. And then they flip it and make a fucking profit. It, 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 it's something that I've started to do when I'm like watching crises on the news and like it's like a hurricane or a flood or whatever. My first thought is who the fuck is going to profit from this? Yeah, yeah. And it's bad because it's like, but that that's become the norm now. It's like people are dying. Somebody's making money. Who Absolutely. the fuck is making money? Absolutely. Somebody's yeah. always going to be exploiting the opportunity. And what and right. what's strange to me is that these people who really still at this day and age like Donald Trump loved mm -hmm. that about him. He made his entire career in real estate uh, exploiting the underdog and exploiting and people, their labor, their time, workers, their energy, and, their yeah. money. 
Yes, he exploited everybody and people thought he was a genius for it. And so they can't really hold their nose in disgust now to say yeah. that they're surprised that people would would profit off of a, a crisis. Evil, they, evil they, isn't genius. It's profitable, but it ain't genius. It's no, just evil. It's, it's just evil, exactly. So they either have to look back at Trump and say, okay, maybe he's not a genius, or they have to not be surprised by the people who are profiting off of what's going on in Texas right now. Yeah. It's, it's all, oh, this is how people get rich. It's yeah. sad. And we're, we're not getting rich off it. But, no. <laughs> Bev, please tell these people how they can get, get in contact with us. It was a wonderful time being back here doing this. And yes, let's it keep was. going. Yes. All right. So we are on Twitch at Mixed Politics. We're also on YouTube. If you search Mixed Politics. And by the way, we're trying to reserve an actual domain there. So to, to make it easy and searchable for us. We're working on right. it. Uh, so press Insta the subscribe button. Yes, subscribe to us. That helps us get there. So Facebook and Instagram, we're at mixed.politics. On Twitter, at mixedpolitics1. And email, you can send us an email with your thoughts, your questions, or just some random, I don't know, SpongeBob episodes that you like at uh, right. mixedpoliticspod at gmail.com. We are also on Patreon, and that is Stanley's wheelhouse. So I'm going to let him explain that to you. All right. So Patreon, www.patreon.com. Slash makes politics. Um, there's bonus footage. There's merch. Uh, we got a new Patreon supporter uh, in the past couple of weeks. Her name is Sierra. Hi, Sierra. She, Thank you. She, she jumped up a number of tiers. I'm not going to put her financial business out there. But thank you. You paid the bill for the whole month. Woo! Jesus. I know. That's so awesome. I, I reached out to her and I told her, you know, to send us the question that she wanted to ask and, you know, size and so forth for whatever merch, you know, that she needs to be sent to her. And her response was, I don't want to do any of that. I just want to support your podcast. And I was oh, like, oh, wow. Ooh. But I still want to send it. So I think I think I'm gonna I'm gonna find out. I'm gonna find out. Send it. You gotta get you gotta get her just due. But you too can, you know, do all those things and be a part of all of these things. And if you surf on over to patreon.com yeah. slash mixed politics, you can be a part of the show. You can help make the show. You can help pay for the show. And we kick back just like rich people kick back the Governor Abbott in Texas for fucking them over. We're not fucking you over. We're nope. giving you a really good product and sending you shit. Yes. So there's that. And we got to sign off. So. Yes. Well, this was fun, Stanny. I'm glad we're back at it. So we're we're going to be on a roll. We, we're not going to have such a long break this time, guys. And maybe, I don't know, should we explain why we've been on hiatus for a little bit? No, but there's a lot of new stuff coming and you probably won't. We're going to have to figure out a way to not do split screen because we've been yes. so comfortable with the split screen and I now know. we're going to be sitting across from each other. So that's the only thing I can say about that. Yes, that's what's in the works look, is we're trying to get look, into one place together. Yeah, I look forward to that. So to our analysts, pundits and experts, our apes, thank you for staying yes. with us and cheers. Cheers. Ah, have a good one. What is that, episode 15 in the bag? Yes. That's awesome. Oh, by the way, I don't know if you noticed, but I got banned from Instagram. <laughs>